it's time for the special holiday Christmas edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show. And this week we have a special guest, Mr. Ed Casputis from the Baseball PhD Show is going to join us, talk all about baseball's lockout, the Cleveland Guardians renaming, and so much more. Join us on this show, the Baseball Talk Radio Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Baseball Talk Radio Show. It's Rich Baxter here, and I'm joined with Mr. Gary Mack, as usual, every week here on the show. How you doing, Gary? I'm doing good, Rich. How are you this fine Sunday afternoon or morning? Doing awesome. We got some sunshine out there. Uh, sending our prayers down to the south, to Kentucky, Missouri, uh, all those areas. Uh, Midwest, it got hit with those tornadoes tragic circumstances i feel so bad for those people it's terrible terrible uh we're getting some very harsh weather and uh but we have to be thankful to one thing that it is here in the northeast it's december and it looks like it's 60 or so degrees out there today so uh two weeks from christmas uh can't complain too much yeah we're bearing down on the holiday and uh for this special holiday edition, we have a guest with us, Mr. Ed Casputis from Baseball PhD. How you doing, Ed? Morning, everybody. How are you? Morning. And Good. Uh, you do a great baseball podcast uh, and have been doing it for years, Ed. Uh, could you tell our listeners how Baseball PhD started along with your uh, microphone mates there as well? Well, I mean, Baseball PhD started, believe it or not, at City Field. I was sitting at a game with a guy from Philadelphia that I knew named David Drubin. And he started to tell me the story about Mo Berg. And I'm like, what? This guy was a, <laughs> you know, a lawyer, a baseball player, a spy. I don't believe you. So a couple of days later, he uh, sent me uh, the book. Uh, uh, the catcher was a spy. And I read it and I said, you know what? I need a constructive hobby. I should do a podcast and kind of modeled after Mo Berg, who he loved to travel and he got a PhD in life by traveling the baseball world. And it's like, yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll talk about baseball and, and, and travel and other stuff too. And our, our tagline is getting a PhD in life through baseball. So uh, we always try to honor that once in a while, we might gear a little bit too far into rush Limbaugh land. And then we got to slap ourselves and say, let's talk about the A's and why they can't get a good uh, stadium. <laughs> yeah i hear you um how about your uh two co-hosts on the show mark rantala and uh mr dillinger which is a great name for podcasting how did you hook up with those guys uh i've known mark rantala since i was 15 now i'm 60 uh mark's just been a friend and he's helped me throughout my career and he's the type of guy that's just uh he's the first guy you call if you want to bounce an idea off of uh, Farley, I met Farley, I think in 1996, when I was getting ready to run uh, statewide in Ohio for Secretary of State, and I hired Farley as a campaign staffer. And we just became great friends. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons, you know, this is we're finishing season 12. And maybe this is even true for you guys. There are times when I'm editing audio on a Saturday, and I'm like, this is a pain in the butt, I'd rather not have to do this. But it's the camaraderie of being with those guys. And you know what, if we were to end baseball PhD, if I said, I want to start traveling every Saturday for, you know, next 30 years until I go to heaven, I would miss the camaraderie because as guys, if we don't have a common purpose, 
I've got Farley and Mark trained now. Basically, every Saturday morning, they come to my law office where I have a studio and we do the podcast. In the olden days, 2010, 2011, we would try to do three podcasts in a morning. But what happens is, and especially with the advent of COVID, you know what? What we uh, taped three weeks ago, the world has changed twice. It's mm-hmm. not that relevant. We've got to stay fresh. So for the past uh, two, three, four years, I've got these guys trained. It's just, yeah, when are we podcasting? Next Saturday, 8 or 9 a.m. What time? So they're great <laughs> friends. And, you know, all the guys that are listening, it's important for us to maintain our guy friendships rather than just going home, looking at our wives and saying, do you want to pick out daisies today? <laughs> Well, I'm sure your wife doesn't want to hear that, but (laughs) men need constructive hobbies and men need, we even did a podcast called the importance of hobbies. And it's by a a guy named James Smith, the third from San Diego and him and his wife, they have a healthy relationship where she has a hobby. He has a hobby, but they love each other and they've been married like 40 years. (laughs) How true. How true. And, and rich, uh, Rich, of course, does his Philly show, and I do my Mets show, and and I also do a golf show. So, we're we're uh, using our hobbies well. You're you're better than me. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I I have a friend who loves Rod Stewart, and it's like we should do a Rod Stewart podcast. And it's there like, you do you know how much time it takes to do one podcast? <laughs> okay, if you want to use my microphone in studio, you can do that. But I'm not sitting at my MacBook Pro editing Rod Stewart podcast stuff on top of baseball <laughs> PhD because I'm an everyday lawyer. And there are times where it's like, I'm too busy. <laughs> so the, the modus operandi now is I prepare for the show Friday night. We do the show Saturday morning. I edit the audio. I get everything put together, like typically Saturday night by eight or nine at night. And we release it Sunday morning by 9 a.m. And it's like, I'm too busy to edit audio on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And this is the formula. But like I said, it's because of Farley and Mark that even when I'm cussing, saying I got all this work and they, you know, they came for an hour and they're telling everybody they're on a podcast and I'm still <laughs> editing and all this stuff. And uh, but no, it's the camaraderie. And I know as a dumb man that if we were to stop the podcast, we'd blink and it's like, hey, we haven't seen each other in six months. And that's not good either. Right. Well, you uh, are going to talk to us about a little bit about the work stoppage, the uh, lockout and the MLB and also the Cleveland Guardians, how they're now known. But um one recent thing you did was take a trip to the World Series, and I want to hear a little bit about that. I think um, uh, Mark went, or was it uh, Farley went Farley, as well? Farley went with me. Here, here's what happened. You know, you're sitting there, you're working hard, you're making money, and then you go, uh, I'm at the stage of my life where I have more money than time. And it's like going to World Series games are magical. You just remember them. And it's like, no, I need to go uh, to a World Series game. And then a little voice in your head says, all right, you can't go during a weekday. You got court appearances and all this, but who's at home Friday, Saturday, Sunday? And it's like, well, it's going to be the Braves. So literally when the Braves, 
beat the Dodgers. I had just gotten home because I had gone to Pittsburgh for the day to see the Pittsburgh Panthers play Clemson. And I sat there on my couch uh, with my laptop and it's like, no, it's, it's time to go. And uh, the love of my life is like, I don't want to go. And it's like, that's good. That means I will save money. (laughs) So make a long story short in one night, I bought a sexy upper deck, but front of the upper deck, first base side ticket for game three. And then I said, game four, two. So each ticket was like $1,700, most expensive (laughs) tickets in my life. But I said, I have more money than time. So then we podcast and I tell the guys that we're going and then Farley, I see his eyeballs light up and he goes, I want to create the Farley challenge. And it's like, what's the Farley challenge? I want to go to the world series with you. Okay. And I can get a better seat for less money. (laughs) I go, how's that? Well, I'm going to treat StubHub like it's the stock market. And I'm going to be able to purchase a cheap ticket. That's better than yours in the parking lot as we're ready to go into the stadium. And I'm like, all right, in here, I'll throw some charity to you. You can stay in my room for free. I got a rental car, that's for free. All you gotta do is pay for your hotel ticket and your Farley challenge ticket. And he goes, okay. So I tell Farley, this is my airfare, da, 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 da. I'm leaving like Friday at one o'clock cause I got some court appearances <laughs> and Farley. <laughs> emails me and says, all right, I'm taking the flight earlier because I can save $80. (laughs) But can I park uh, in your heated garage? It's like, uh, okay. So I have my secretary meet Farley at my place because I'm in court and she takes him to the airport. So he saved 80 bucks. Then I do, I fill out a form with the Marriott to say, I got this guy coming in earlier. And even though I'm paying for the room, he's not Al Qaeda. Please let him into the room. Okay. So Farley flies, he goes. So then finally I fly and I hook up with Farley. Now we're going to game three. And we'll hear the rest of Ed's story about his trip to the World Series in just a second. I wanted to remind you, you can listen to all these great baseball podcasts over at BaseballTalkRadio.com. It's the home for great baseball talk shows. So check it out baseballtalkradio.com if you'd like to donate to the baseball talk radio show just go to our website at anchor.fm forward slash baseball talk radio show there you can hit the support button and support our show every month with a small donation we'd like to see you stop by there all right now back to the podcast and we'll hear ed talk about his trip to the 2021 World Series in Atlanta. Take it away, Ed. So we drive to game three, and if you've never been to SunTrust Park, it's a new park, but it's almost like they built an urban park, but with no urban parking. There's like shopping and all that around, and it's like, where do you park? So we're driving to the stadium, and across the street, parking $150. And Farley's like, that's outrageous. We keep driving. 150, 150, 150. Now we're like a mile and a half from the ballpark. There's a day's in parking, 150. 
And I go, we're pulling in. And Farley's like, you're going to pay 150. I go, I paid 1700 for a ticket. I'm going to see the game. <laughs> I pull into to the days in, I walk into the, uh, uh, um, lobby and I go, I'm here for your parking special. So I whip out a credit card and the, the lady uh, looks at me with the wink in her eye and says, cash only. Uh, and I said, well, luckily I have cash. So I, I, I paid her and then Farley and I walked a, a mile and a half. Now, now we're entering the stadium and you got to be careful, baseball uh, lovers. You know, when you got too many people by a stadium, you don't have very good uh, Wi-Fi service. OK, so I look at Farley. I tell him I love him and I go into the stadium. And uh, we have another listener from Broward County. He's a judge, Lewis Schiff. He was at the game. In fact, literally, when I bought my tickets on StubHub, 20 minutes later, he texts me and says, are you going to the game? And it's like, yes, I am. <laughs> so I was in section 322. He was like in section 200. So I go and I meet him and his lovely wife. And then I go to my, to my seat. Then I get a text from Farley. I'm in. He got a ticket for $1,071. And he sat by the right field foul pole. At the same level I was, 300 level. And then Farley is trying to say that that's a better ticket than, <laughs> than sitting between home and first base. So that was game one. We had a great time. Uh, we walked back to the Days Inn and drove home, got back at 1 a.m. I've never done this before. I go to two World Series games. Farley, once again, Farley Challenge. Well, Farley already, in my opinion, spent all his money on game one. And as he's looking at StubHub, the prices are going up on a Saturday a game. So I'll make a long story short, Farley says, I can't afford this. So I hug him and he leaves. So now I'm about 100 feet from the stadium. And for the first time in my life, my cell phone freezes and I cannot reboot it. Oh, God. My ticket's on the phone. Oh. I've never had this phenomenon. So I look at a security guard. I go, where's the closest hotel? The aloft down there. So I walk to the aloft, I get on the phone, I start, I try to get a hold of Farley, of course, he's not answering his phone, he's like walking through a mob, maybe he didn't hear his phone. I'm calling people back in Cleveland, after 45 minutes of praying to God, to uh, trying to reboot the phone, in fact, when I was rebooting the phone, or trying to, it kept calling my emergency contact. So finally, some lady at the front desk of the aloft did something magical and rebooted my phone. I was able to get in and I saw, you know, game four, which was also very good. And then I coordinated with Farley and we, you know, walked like a mile to our car. We found an abandoned bank that had a sign saying, if you want to park here, uh, log into this website and pay for your parking. So for night two, I found that abandoned bank and I paid $41 for parking. <laughs> so, and then I went home. I didn't have enough money for game three, but for everybody listening, it's magical to go to a World Series game. Yes, it certainly is. I've been to a couple. Uh, it's been a while ago, 1986, but I was at game one and game seven of the Mets uh, in 1986, and it is a magical thing. But as you get older, it gets a little too much. <laughs> so, but here, I've changed my paradigm. I'm not waiting for Haley's Comet to pass through Cleveland. <laughs> I go to a World Series yeah, game. Yeah. I do not wait because I'm not going to say, okay, in, in 2041, when I'm 91 years old, I'm going to see the Indians, and this time they're only going to lose in game six. 
Well, we hope we get to see a World Series this year. Uh, as Rich mentioned before, we've had the uh, the lockout, the owners locking out the players with the expiration of the CBA. And uh, what are some of the issues as you see it that's holding up this negotiations? Well, the players want more money. They feel that the owners have, uh, in the past two negotiation sessions, you know, got a few extra percentage uh, of revenue that they want. Uh, they feel that they have lost the last couple collective bargaining sessions. They've hired a, a guy. In fact, they did it three years ago, uh, an attorney named Bob Meyer, who has uh, experienced negotiating with the NBA and the NHL uh, in preparation for this moment. So uh, they know that they got to recalibrate. Tony Clark, I think, has done a fantastic job from this respect. If they think that they got out negotiated in 2016, I have read nothing to suggest that Tony Clark should have been fired. So at least Tony Clark went to lunch and someone said, you got to get more firepower than you. And they did it. <laughs> and they brought the guy on board three years ago because they say that there's a lot of stuff that's interrelated and all this stuff where it's like, you got to understand what we gave away in 1950, 64, 78, da, 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 da. So I think Bob Meyer is up to speed on that. But let's remember this one fact. A year ago, Bob Meyer was part of the negotiation team that told the owners, all right, in a nuclear meltdown, we'll just play 60 games. But no one's screaming that, hey, you messed that one up. Mm -hmm. uh, and what happened last year or yeah. uh, the year before 2020, 60 20. games. Now, it's interesting also that the uh, a coordinated commissioner, and, and I don't know how much you want to believe him, uh, but the owners have put forth some proposals, and the uh, players' union has not really they, – they're sticking – they put their original proposals out there, and they're sticking to their guns. Are we going to be, be able to break this impasse at some point? Yeah, it'll be broken at some point. You know, on our podcast, the debate was, will opening day be delayed? I was the only <laughs> guy that said opening day would be delayed. Uh, Farley and Mark believe that maybe spring training might be delayed slightly, but everything will be okay. And, you know, Mark and Farley can go back to buying Cleveland Guardians tickets and say that they're having fun. Yeah, the uh, Vegas has odds on whether or not the baseball season will start on time and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, because i was just reading that you know future negotiations probably won't take place till after the new year and then you're right up on spring training so um it's already the middle of december as we're doing this podcast and uh no relief in sight for the baseball fan uh, we're still uh very much in question on starting on time for 2022 but we'll have to see and, yeah, and, you know, as we're talking about this stuff, it's like we're, we're we're looking at these issues through wax paper. We don't know all the specifics that both the union and the owners have. We're, we're re reading vague articles yeah. rather than looking at Excel spreadsheets and figuring out what does this do? What does that do? I think yesterday the uh, either the owners or the players basically said this rule change stuff we don't care about. We want to negotiate just on economic issues. 
we don't want to trade a universal DH for a luxury tack modification or anything like that. Yeah, and one one of the contentious issues as well are the teams that are quote unquote always rebuilding. How about the fans in this? Nobody's mentioned really the fan of these cities that go through this, like the Miami fan. Um, name your team that's always rebuilding. And uh, nobody said about those fans that constantly support or try to support their teams, spending money on them, this, that, and the other. You know, the fan is sort of like the odd man out in this as well for those clubs that are constantly rebuilding. I know. And the problem is in the baseball universe, at least half of the teams, in my opinion, aren't competitive. And, you know, I'm sitting here in Cleveland. So there'd be many people who would argue with me and say, Ed, you have lived through a glorious time. And it's like, if I have, why am I angrier every year when the Indians <laughs> let me down? I mean, you know, we, we did the, uh, the Golden Era Committee and the Early Days Committee. They picked uh, some, you know, six people to be in the Hall of Fame last week. Well, the Early Days Committee is anything prior to 1950. The Indians haven't won a World Series since 48. Wow. So it's like the Indians' victories are like in the Old Testament of baseball. <laughs> and it's like, how long can you wait? On the podcast, I tease Mark Rantala. He's 70, I'm 60. I tease him that I already have six Cleveland Indian pallbearers who will let him down for the last time. You spoke about the uh, the Cleveland Indians, a.k.a. now the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, there was a humorous story that really didn't get too much further out of Cleveland about the sign on the stadium. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about that? Well, I uh, only know what Farley told me because I, I didn't read that. But I guess on the first day they were selling their <laughs> paraphernalia or whatever, the Guardian sign fell off the stadium. <laughs> okay. And... Uh, Rumor has it three Cub fans escaped injury, but two Indians fans died. No, I'm kidding. But, uh, you know, whatever. Um, if you survey our podcast guys, Farley's okay with the Guardian's name. Mark will eat a five-day-old hamburger and say it's okay. And I'm disgusted by the Indians, uh, you know, giving homage to George Floyd and saying, okay, we're going to change the name because <laughs> something happened in Minneapolis on a Tuesday in July. Well, I, I you know, I, I think it's a shame that they had, they were forced to change their name and I hope Atlanta sticks to their guns and, uh, you know, remains the Braves because it's just, it's a little ridiculous at this point, but no, and, uh, and here, here's one World Series memory. I must have saw the sold out World Series crowd for two games do the tomahawk chalk maybe 20, 30 times as a Cleveland Indians fan. That gave me goosebumps mm -hmm. and said, yes, Indians with testosterone. And it was this, you know, it was not the tomahawk chalk was not to berate Indians. It's like a war cry, and it's very impressive I, when the entire stadium does the tomahawk chop. That's I agree. I right. agree. Couldn't agree more. Well, you mentioned the Hall of Fame, and uh, uh, we did have some. And, of course, here in New York, we're very happy that Gil Hodges finally has right. gotten in. But actually, uh, 
other four guys that got in with him, Jim Cott, Minnie Minosa, Tony Oliva, and then Bud Fowler and Buck O'Neill were chosen right. on the early baseball year committee. Uh, any thoughts on those selections at all? No, I mean, I think they're all good selections. Uh, I've never heard of Bud Fowler. I guess, you know, they say he was the first black professional baseball player. And you know, I said on our podcast on Baseball PhD, who did he play against? Was he really Jackie Robinson? Did he play against himself? Was he, did he have a pitch back? Um, so, uh, no, they're all deserving. And then the other deep thought is, why do these committees have to appoint him? What did the Baseball Writers of America miss? You know, Gil Hodges, yeah. I scratched my head and I go, did he get inducted twice? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't remember yeah. Yeah, not yeah. getting in. And uh, Jim Cott, he had a 25-year career. He was just good and steady. And I think he won like 20 games, like three years and all that. So he was good. Tony Oliva, uh, same thing. In fact, you know, the first baseball game I ever went to, I saw the Cleveland Indians play the Minnesota Twins on May 10th, 1970. And I think Oliva and Cott were in that stadium. Well, it's funny you mention that because I was watching the other night, I was watching the um, uh, 65 MLB Network had the 1965, I think it was game seven of the World Series on. And uh, Jim Cott was pitching against Sandy Koufax, and it just brought back a lot of memories. And, and I don't know who else was on that squad that was in, in the Hall of Fame, but I'm sure there was more. But Probably Harmon uh, Killebrew. Killebrew, that's right, uh, in uh, Drysdale for the Dodgers. But uh, just an incredible thing. And uh, going along with that, the night before, they had the 55 Worlds, uh, not the 55, the 52 World Series. Wow. And uh, Game 7. And the players in that in the Hall of Fame are just tremendous. I mean, you right. had Mantle and Berra and uh, you had uh, Snyder and Pee Wee Reese and right. uh, uh, Jackie Robinson and Roy Campanella. And, of course, they did – they put that little uh, Cairo on the bottom there running – and uh, and they said the last one they said and Gil Hodges, which made me feel good as a Met fan. But right. Uh, right. Uh, it was a long time coming here for for Gil and uh, the rest of them, I guess. But uh, is this a good system this way? To well, uh, it's better than nothing. But what are we accomplishing by inducting dead guys into the Hall of Fame? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the ultimate recognition is that you, you go to Cooperstown, everybody hugs you, says you're a great guy and all that. And when, but you know, if, if Manfred, the commissioner was here right now, he'd say, wait a minute, last year, we changed the rules to say that Negro league statistics counted. So because we did that, yeah, of course, Bud Fowler and Buck O'Neill were, were gone. And it's like, yeah, okay. So that's like an exception to the rule. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, even the upcoming class, you know, the Roger Clemens, uh, a rod will be eligible this year, Barry bonds. Will these be the type of guys that get elected 40 years from now when they finally say, well, at least steroids, they were trying to make the game better. They weren't cheating like the 1919 black Sox. They were cheating to be better. So we could see super balls leaving the stadium. 
Never thought of it that way. How about you, Rich? <laughs> well, that's probably the only way they will get in. I, I don't see them getting elected in this year. Uh, they've been on the ballot for 10 years. Like, why didn't they get voted in many years sooner? I, we'll have to see if they make it in this year. I don't think they will. And yeah, time will tell over the years. Maybe we'll see it. Maybe we won't as baseball fans, but that's probably the only way that they'll get in one day, unfortunately. And they made the choices when they made them. And as we talked about on our show, Gary, uh, that was what was happening around that time across the country. Not, in, not only even in baseball, but in every gym in America, people wanted to bulk up and look like Lou Ferrigno for a little bit. Yeah, very yeah. true. And, uh, uh, it was a time and, you know, as I said last week that, uh, I'm, I'm a little on the fence now. I was dead set about uh, against them getting in at one point. Now I'm starting to, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting older and figure, you know, let them get in now. And, uh, uh, at least the bulk of them that were stars before. I mean, Clemens was a, probably a Hall of Famer before right. he even started taking stuff. Same thing with Bonds. Sammy Sosa? No, I don't think so. Right. Uh, I'm even on the fence about a David Ortiz. I don't think he was uh, He was really not a big player in Texas at all and, and until he got to Boston, and they say that's when he started taking it. But, uh, Ed, what, what do you feel about that? I mean, similar to what you feel about. Um, Barry Bonds wanted to be Ruthian. He was a Hall of Famer before, or super Ruthian. And someday when in heaven, when I meet Babe Ruth, I really want to shake his hand. Because he'll say, <laughs> what, what were they trying to do? And it's like, you are the Babe, okay? You are second to none. Uh, but yeah, Barry Bonds would have been a Hall of Famer. Maybe, you know, when you see pictures of him like in Pittsburgh with a thin, thin neck and everything, it's like you might not have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, but statistically you were better than your daddy. So you can taunt him on Thanksgiving and you should be in the Hall of Fame. Clemens, same thing. But you're right. Sosa, no, he, you know, he used steroids to get into the conversation mm -hmm. that he could be a Hall of Famer. But he was great for the game given the peace sign running, uh, you know, in the field. I mean, yep. uh, you bring a girlfriend to a game and she's less bored if Sammy Sosa's playing. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw These steroid uh, guys helped our girlfriends like baseball. Yeah. And I bit into it. I, I was like, what's, what's happening in baseball. I was a little naive. I didn't really know what was happening in baseball, but of course, years later we found out, I watched a, a game during the middle of the week here on MLB network with the Mets, Gary, um, and Len Dykstra was playing and yeah, he was in shape, but he wasn't that Hulk that he turned into. He was like, like you said, a thinner neck, um, you know, just a regular in shape baseball guy. And then he became something that he wasn't, but, uh, you know, for other guys that extended their careers, extended their stats. How can you, say that that wasn't an unfair advantage. No, and you know, Len Dykstra, after his career, got into all kinds of legal problems, and I'm going to give you a deep thought. I mean, I'm a lawyer, but here's a deep thought. Did using steroids affect his thought process and yeah. ha have him do the stupid things that he did? Um, you know. That's true. That could That's all... A 
You know, that's a good point. I think he would have probably uh, gotten into trouble anyway. He was just that kind of guy. Yeah. But it might have been uh, a high crime misdemeanor instead of a felony. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It wouldn't have been as bad. He wouldn't have done jail time, I don't think. He might have got, well, in today's legal system, he would have got a slap on the wrist and probably two tickets to the ball game. But uh, especially in. He'd be standing next to the Fox Christmas tree and I'm going to light it this time. With a lighter. Right, right. Absolutely. Well, um, any special uh, Christmas gifts or holiday gifts that you uh, do around the, for the baseball season, Ed? I mean, uh, no. Uh, uh, I, I, I've bought Mark and Farley uh, jackets. I've bought them, uh, bats from Cooperstown with their name on them and all that. Um, I went to the last two games at, uh, uh, globe life park, the brand new park for the Rangers and up by the uh, left field foul pole upper deck, there are 10 rocking chairs and the rocking chairs are made in Texas. You can get a logo put on the rocking chairs. There was a time I thought maybe a Christmas present for the, for the guys, but each rocking chair is like 500 bucks. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know about that, but someday I'll probably get them those rocking chairs unless they hear this podcast. And then they go, we demand our rocking chairs now, or we're going on strike for 2022. Uh, so I give them baseball related items. Um, as for me, I don't need anything. I, I'm driving the car I want. I'm living in the house I want. You know, you hit a certain age. The only thing I want is maybe travel, see the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great thing as well. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to travel to our favorite MLB park destinations this spring and summer and uh, 2022, that is. And uh, Gary, we're up against time here for the uh, podcast, but uh, mm-hmm. any closing uh, words for Ed and uh well, I just want to thank Ed for taking time out of his schedule to come on with us today. And uh, as you say, I hope we all get to uh, see a ball game this year and they can settle this nonsense and get on with the season. Well said. Uh, check out Ed's podcast at BaseballTalkRadio.com. You can see and hear all of his content there. And uh, it's a great podcast, Ed. I try not to miss it every week. And you do a wonderful job at editing as well. No, editing, you can create many illusions. There's times I put like New York City street noise in the background. People think we're interviewing someone in Manhattan and all that stuff. Uh, The editing, in fact, as a lawyer, that scares me. Because whenever you see a sound file, now that I'm a podcaster, it's like, wait a minute. That might not be the true sound. Yeah, that's well said. Well said. Well, thanks everyone for joining on us on this edition of the baseball talk radio show. Um, we're probably going to take the show into the barn for the holidays. I know Gary took his uh, show in, so uh, we'll probably follow suit and wish everyone a happy holiday and see you in 2022. Happy holidays, everybody. And see Very you good. then.